Good morning. Um, I miss seeing all of your faces, but I'm glad that you're joining with us virtually. Um, if uh, you have had any time this morning um, before the service begins, you were probably amazed at the beauty of the earth this morning. I had a hard time pulling myself away from the window, um, just listening to the birds sing and seeing the rain from last night sparkle on bushes and trees and seeing buds that were on a vine that weren't there the day before. Um, it was quite beautiful. So thank you for joining us this morning. I think that this call to worship will resonate with you. Um, so as we begin, we light this candle celebrating the presence of God in us among us and beyond us. After I read my line, if you would read, uh, we thank you, God, or repeat, we thank you, God, um, after. All right, for days that grow longer, we thank you, God, for the breezes that warm, we thank you, God, for the green that awakens, we thank you, God, for the swallows return, for the snow clouds departure, we thank you, God. for the sky's azure gleam, we thank you, God. for new shoots arising, we thank you, God. for the unfolding of spring. We thank, you, God. thank you. Our scripture this morning is from Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, O oh Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. 
more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is great power to redeem. It is he who will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. Praise be the word of God. As we begin our time of passing the virtual piece, I want to ask that our children who are watching to go and find a piece of paper and some markers or crowns, colored pencils. During our service, as you listen to the words that are spoken and sung, please draw a picture or write a prayer on that paper and ask your parents to share that here in the comment section and also on our Facebook group page. Looks like we got a lot of people here today. See the Gabbards. Hello, Gabbards. Peace be with you. Rachel Childress. The Hearts. Good morning. Good morning. The Moors. Kara. Campbells, hello. It's good to have you all this morning. The Wards, Morgan, peace be with you. As we begin our prayer time this morning, I invite you all to enter into a time of silent prayer. Yes, I know we've all experienced a lot of silence and solitude so much these last few weeks but I invite you to breathe deeply for these few moments and share your thoughts with God. If you wish, you can share those concerns and celebrations in the comments section below. Let us pray silently to the Lord.
Now let us join our voices and offer our prayers to God. O God, our hope of past days and our refuge in our present time, what a great uncertainty we live in. We cannot know what tomorrow will bring with the increasing unrest. We cannot get through to the other side while numbers continue to grow. We cannot see an end in sight, and that makes us uncomfortable. So we come together through our multitude of platforms with an unfettered faith, knowing that you will hear our prayers and you will guide our days. We pray for the sick and the infected. May you bring to them courage for their battles. May you breathe strength into their bodies. May you grant them comfort when they are separated from loved ones. We pray for the isolated, for those who are alone in homes or those without homes. May they feel connection beyond distance. And may you bring them peace, for they are still in the hearts and minds of their communities. And we pray for us all in our uncertainty. May we not regress to fear. May we not live into our anxieties. But may we remember the spirit of love. And may you renew our mindfulness for gratitude in the midst of separation. May we see the glimpses of light bursting through the cracks in this chaos. May we see the greatness of creation and show our gratitude for its glory. May we name them as your grace flowing to us. For these moments will brighten our path forward and restore our belief that salvation is coming. Whether they be phone calls from friends or the beauty of spring flowers or reconnection with a friendship time zones away, or the energy of children playing in the neighborhood, or stories of families sharing resources with one another, or a heartfelt wave from the sidewalk, or certainly for the courage that is witnessed of all the medical staff, the nurses, doctors, pharmacists, chaplains who work tirelessly to heal. May we rest in the hope that these moments provide. Oh God, for all who need your presence, we pray, come. For all those who are proof of that presence, we say thank you. We pray this in the name of the Christ. Amen. song from the psalm that uh, Dara read earlier for us from uh, Psalm 130 this morning. So we think about the fact that we find ourselves um, sometimes deep in the shadows, sometimes far away where it does not look like the light of God could reach to those places. We trust that even in these places, perhaps especially in these places, 
This is where the light of God's love continues to shine. Before I read the gospel lesson this morning, I wanted to relate to you a conversation I had with a gentleman from our church that's been a member here for many years. He said, I know with tongue firmly in cheek, what have you done to the church? 
there doesn't seem to be as many people around here as there once was. Indeed, these are strange times of separation. And I want to reiterate what was said earlier in our service about the need to stay connected and the initiative that we hope you'll take in letting us know of your needs or of any questions you might have, any prayer concerns or prayer questions, just call, text, or email us. Uh, we will be glad to speak with you. And, and also, if you are particularly feeling isolated during this time and need a call, a listening ear, a friendly voice, allow us to offer that for you, whether from the staff or the deacons or others. Uh, we know that some folks are better connected than others. Some folks don't have a Facebook account or some folks may uh, not have circles that they have been able to keep going as easily when we're not all together in this room. So help us as we seek to still be the church of Jesus Christ for the living of these challenging, challenging days. Now I invite your attention to our gospel lesson. Today found in the 11th chapter of the Gospel of John, I'll be reading selected verses from John 11. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, though they die, will live. When Mary came from where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him 
go. The gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you've ever read the whole chapter of the, uh, John chapter 11, not just selected verses, but all of it, you'll recognize that it's a dense text full of misgivings, misconceptions, confusions, accusations, fear, worry, profound sadness, broken timelines, and yes, social distancing. It's full of twists and turns and questions that cannot easily be answered. As much as I hope to understand and interpret the scriptures wisely, I am comforted by a passage such as this, for it presents itself much like life, as awkward, obtuse, and complicated. This much we know. Taking the journey of discipleship with Jesus in the latter days of his earthly ministry around the outskirts of Jerusalem fills us with an intense heaviness. Like his disciples, we know what is coming. Like them, we wish to protect him. We know how the brewing conflict will bring pain and suffering, separation and death. We're not ready. We're not ready to let go of Jesus walking here among us. Please, Jesus, can you just tell us another parable under the shade tree? Can you just perform one more miracle? Please, Jesus, give us one more piece of bread. Jesus' closest friends were struggling like we are with realities bigger than our own lives. We can feel overwhelmed and anxious and helpless. As expressed by one honest witness, a sincere Christian woman of many years of faith, saying about this strange time of quarantine and social separation, you know, I just feel a little lost. How can we not feel a little lost when so many choices and freedoms that we took for granted just three weeks ago have been limited, restricted, closed off, and called into question. A grandmother caring for her grandchildren while the mother drops them off on her way to work to do a necessary job of serving the public. But what if the working mother is exposed should the kids go back with her? Should the grandmother be prepared to be with the kids for a longer period of time? Weeks, maybe months? What's the fine line between being careful and being paranoid? A father with an immune-compromised son at home, afraid by making a simple trip to the grocery store, he may be bringing home a life-threatening illness and infection? Should I quickly grab what I want or, or wait until that person over there is finished? Oh, gosh, look, they're touching everything on the shelf. Oh, I'll wipe that off my list and cross it off. Should I go through the self-check or the cashier? 
How is it that these once insignificant decisions have become so incredibly magnified to their potential impact? The elderly, who have always endured long patches of isolation, are now further locked away in solitary confinement where something as ordinary as a hug or a squeeze of the hand from a loved one is an impossibility. What if they fall or have an accident or have another health need? Who will be there for them? Will there be room at the hospital for them? An ICU nurse who finally gets home after intense days of work, but she is only at home to rest and nothing more. Because of the dangerous nature of her job, she must self-quarantine and be away from her children, sleeping in a different room, not being able to hug them and touch them at the end of a long shift because to protect them is far more important. She falls asleep exhausted not knowing how long this separation is going to last. So many stories like these and millions more. This massive stone, this stubborn barrier, this enclosed vault casting its dark shadow across our lives and keeping us all secluded and apart. And yet, there are sounds and pictures of life all around us. The luxury and beauty of spring rushing forward with glorious exultation. We hear the birds sing. We watch this incredible grass that lay barren burst into life in blues and greens and vivid color. Children are taking their colorful chalk masterpieces to the sidewalks. And kids, if you're working on your picture, keep going. Keep presenting that beautiful picture to us. We need to see that from you. And if you don't finish by the end of this service, just keep working on it and post it when you're ready. Suburban, suburban streets are busy with walking neighbors we never had seen before. And kids out on their bicycles like it's something in the 1950s. People are waving to one another from their cars and porches that were once exclusively wildcat blue or cardinal red are now beaming with green lights, sending out waves of compassion and hope. Jesus makes his way to the property line of his friend's home. Within its boundary, it's a place where sadness and death have already visited. And then one of the most remarkable things happened that have ever happened in the Bible or in scripture. We know it as the shortest verse. John eleven thirty five. Jesus weeps. Where will we find the Christ when we are troubled?
Where is the presence of the divine when even death is at the door? Where can we experience the touch of the the holy even in our distress? The one who will die for us is the one filled with compassion for us and a love so deep it knows only tears. Preacher Fred Craddock is right. If you need an example of the incarnation of the word made flesh where God shows up as one of us, look no further than John eleven thirty five. When we go back into the sports arenas, if we ever have the chance, that's the verse I would like to see posterized from John's gospel and wave to everybody in the stands. Hey world, Jesus weeps for you. You may ask, why do I think Jesus' tears were shed for the whole world and all of human history in that moment in addition to his obvious love that he offered his closest friends? Well, there's this. The creator, the creation, and all of the creatures who dwell within it exist within a holistic unity. From the very start of our redemption story, we humans have been called to trust God, to lead responsible lives, and to care for our dwelling places and all who live within them, to lift up the poor, to serve the needy, to protect the children, to honor the elderly, to tell the truth, to believe that what we have is sufficient and our provisions will take care of us without needing more, to bandage the wounds of the broken, to include the marginalized, to heal the sick, to give hope to the desperate, and to work for reconciliation even to those who have become divided. We have been told over and over of the deadly dangers of exploitation and greed. When we misuse our power and blame our troubles upon those who are defenseless and vulnerable, once we go down that road of blaming others and never taking responsibility for ourselves and always trying to say it's their problem, And that's the reason I have my problem. Will make you realize you are also the one defenseless and vulnerable. We cannot persistently pursue a hyper-individualized tendency of looking out only for number one and guarantee our own self-preservation. To be indifferent to the one is to be indifferent to all. And that circle includes ourselves. So I have a different prayer. How this disease that has traveled great distances and knows no barriers, that respects no politics, and attacks the rich and well-connected as much as the poor and disconnected, might teach the world the lesson all great religions have been trying to say for thousands of years. How the more we fight against ourself only persists and hastens the day we will destroy ourselves. 
Our enemies are not one another. They are more insidious, hidden, elusive, and invisible. Our greed, our prejudices, our apathy, our fear of the other, our belief that there's not enough and I need to hoard more in order to be happy. All these are foes that require us continually to fight. For us who are Christians, resurrection begins with the courage of our compassion to not be afraid of our tears, to trust in truth, to face the bad news and the good news together, and to remember the one who first shed holy tears for us and leads us at the right moment, known only to God, to take away the stone. And rest assured, the stone will be taken away. For we walk with the one who says, I am the resurrection and the life. But now we wait. And we must brace ourselves with an infection that doubles every three days, and in some cases every two days, we will be entering into the teeth of this storm over the next two weeks and other weeks to follow. By some estimates, the United States of America may end up with the worst outbreak in the industrialized world. Opening John's Gospel this week got me thinking not only about death and resurrection, but also about birth and rebirth. The one Jesus promised to Nicodemus way back there in chapter 3, a conversation of promise and new life held under the cover of darkness, and in my imagination, I pulled up a chair to sit next to Lazarus there in the tomb that we discovered in today's text. If you've not been showering frequently, maybe you can identify with that, but I'll leave that to you. But sitting there with him and locked away with death and desperation, in the damp and moldy darkness, knowing my friends were just on the other side of the barrier that separates us just a few feet away, and even Jesus close by, crying with the weight and burden of the whole world upon his shoulders, I'm considering how every life has invitations to be reborn again and again and again. And could it be that this isolation is incubation? What will be different about your life once the scourge of silence and separation has been lifted? Let's ponder that. And let me repeat that question and ask you to sit with it as you wait. What will be different 
about your life once the scourge of silence and separation has been lifted. Not to go back to the way exactly it was before, for that day has passed. But if you're willing to sit with me here and stay quiet for a little while and to put our ears up against that stone and listen really, really hard, we might hear when the moment is right, muffled in the distance and through the dense slab of separation, a voice, a commanding voice of our dear Lord, Unbind us and let us go. I'll take just a few moments this morning to breathe deeply, to reflect, and to let these words sink in. Recently, we uh, had read um, Richard Rohr's book on contemplative prayer, Everything Belongs. And one of the things that I gleaned from that reading was this sense that if I could just take a few moments and sink down into the present moment and be right here and right now, there I would find, amazingly, the presence of God with me, right here and right now. No matter what is going on, as the wind blows, as storms may roll through, that it doesn't necessarily change those circumstances. But can change our view and our experience of this ever-present now that, is, that we're blessed with, that we're given. So let's take just a few moments and breathe in deeply. Maybe hold it a little bit longer than you normally would. And breathe in the love of God and breathe out in the peace of God. Breathe out your anxiety. Breathe in the hope of God. Breathe out your worries. Breathe in the light of God. And breathe out the to depart today. I'm going to
invite you to sing with me Amazing Grace. We'll sing the uh, three most famous verses that you may have memorized. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound, then through many dangers, toils, and snares, and then when we've been there 10,000 years. So I invite you all to sing with me wherever you're at this morning. receive this benediction as we go out into the world together. Wherever you find yourself this week, be it in the overwhelming work of hospitals, the struggles of online teaching, the loneliness of isolation, the fear of going shopping, maybe the beauty of spring sunshine, the colors of your garden, a phone call with a good friend, taking food to a loved one, or making a call to say, I need some help. Know that you are not alone. The God in three surrounds you. Your sisters, your brothers, your siblings in faith are not far away. So go in love. Go in peace. Go in the assurance that you are part of God's beloved community. Let us live together into the great love of our God.